everybody. In today's episode of Still To Be Determined, we're going to talk about solar cars. Will we ever really be able to charge a car simply by parking it? And if so, does that mean we'll no longer complain about the car being roasting hot when we climb into it in July or August? <laughs> when the backs of our thighs are sticking to the vinyl seats, will we be saying, well, the tank is topped off? <laughs> As usual, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some books for kids. And I'm all around inquisitive about things that are emerging in the tech sphere. And with me, of course, this podcast wouldn't happen without him. It's my brother, Matt. <laughs> Matt, of course, is the originator of Undecided with Matt Farrell, which is where we get our topics and what we're talking about. We're talking about his most recent episode, why don't we have solar powered cars? Question mark. And this episode dropped on March 22nd, 2022. And Matt, before we get into the meat of the episode. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the bones of the episode. The bones, okay. the YouTube bones, the bones that people oh, don't talk yeah. about too much. Yeah. We live in a clickable world. <laughs> Yes. You more than you more than me, us yes. more than most. Yes. You live in a clickable world where you need people to click on your videos yep. in order to watch them so that you can continue to make more videos. And in this video, I've seen this in other videos of yours, but in this video in particular, there was a comment which was accusing you of something clearly in, viewed by the commenter as nefarious. You were being mm -hmm. accused of using clickbait. Right. So clickbait. I, what, what is it? <laughs> what is clickbait? How do we clickbait? What are the ways in which clickbaiting might be bad? There, the comment that drew my attention made me raise an eyebrow because they specifically said, Matt, you're setting the industry back by using clickbait titles. What industry? <laughs> Apparently a a poorly phrased title to an episode has the opportunity to actually hold back the entire electric motor vehicle industry, which I guess so you're more powerful than you could ever imagine. You're like, Thanos. I didn't know I had that much power. You're like Thanos with a glove <laughs> snapping my finger. You, you've got a glove made of, of, uh, key fobs from electric I've got my clickbait stone. Yeah. I put my clickbait stone in. And yeah. <laughs> the, the comment said that, your title was clickbaity. Yes. And I read your title, as I always do. To me, it sounds like you're just asking a question. Well, are you reading the one that's there now? Because I had one before this. Because this is something that we probably should talk about. I change thumbnails and titles occasionally. Okay. And the original, the original title was The Truth About Solar Powered Cars. All right. And that's probably what he was railing against because it's a very clickbaity title. But the question is, what is clickbait? And I right. will tell you right now, nobody agrees on this. My personal interpretation of clickbait, it's like the old bait and switch from a store, a store that puts out an advertisement saying, we have a 55 inch LCD TV for $99. And right. you go into the store to buy that $99 TV. Oh, we're all sold out. But we have this one here for 500. And it turns out they only had one stock. So right. it was, they didn't lie, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's my definition of clickbait. If you do say something in a title or a thumbnail that really doesn't pertain to the video at all, that's clickbait. My titles and thumbnails always pertain to what I'm talking about. Always. Right. So my definition 
it doesn't. But other people just think if you're being a provocateur in your title, that's all it takes to be clickbait. And mm -hmm. this is where being a YouTuber comes in. YouTube's algorithm has created an ecosystem where you have to be provocative in your titles and thumbnails. Because right. if you don't, you can make the best video in the world. And if you have a bad title, a boring title and a boring thumbnail, nobody will watch it. So you have to get somebody's attention. And so you have to be a little bit of a provocateur in the titles and thumbnails. And there's a great YouTuber. Um, his name is Derek from Veritasium. He's put out a couple of videos about this exact issue, about clickbait. What is clickbait? I, I think that's actually the name of his video. You should go watch it because he breaks down the differences in his videos when he switched from generic titles into more provocative titles and the difference it made on YouTube. Mm. Because YouTube's all about the algorithm. It's not about subscribers. It's not about likes and all that kind of stuff anymore. It really comes down to if people are clicking on a video and then watching that video, like the full video, YouTube will start to put that in front of more and more people. So part of the equation we always have to take into account, me, all my YouTube friends, is you're not only trying to create a great video in itself, but you also have to be really provocative and get somebody's attention in half a second to get them to want to click. Right. If you can't get that click, nobody's going to watch your great video. Right. So it sounds a little bit to me like you're suggesting that people should interpret your titles in the same way that they interpret a commercial for the evening news. Tonight at six o'clock, <laughs> sadly, the three yes. toys that might be dangerous for your children. Tune in at there's, six o'clock to find out what we're talking about. It, it's one of those, I hate to say this, it's like, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's like, this is the framework that all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, all of them, they're all algorithm based now. It's not, I like Matt, so I'm just going to subscribe to Matt and I will see every video that he makes will get put up into my feed. That's not how it works anymore. It's all algorithm based. And so you have to get attention. And so sadly, it's we have to do that or nobody will watch our videos. So it's me getting blamed is you're putting the blame in the wrong place. I'm doing what I have to do if I want to get people to watch my videos. But I will say this, I never, ever will do what my definition of clickbait is. I will never do something in my thumbnail or title mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with the topic at all. It's like, it's always whatever's put in my title and thumbnail, I will be dealing with that exact question or phrasing right. in the video. So if you always. have a title that says something like amazing new breakthrough in solar technology, you will legitimately talking about something that is new that you've never talked before, as opposed to recycling yes. old information. Yes. Well, here, here's a good example. There's a, I'm not going to name the channel but you can probably look it up based on what I'm about to describe. They talked about how Tesla just dropped a bombshell and created revolution in quantum computing. And it was an image of Elon Musk with a big quantum computer image. Tesla has never created a quantum computer. They have nothing to do with quantum computing. And I watched the video and in that 10 minute video, there was jack all to do with Tesla doing with quantum computers. That was clickbait, 100% right. clickbait. So it's like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, like, if you put something in the title and the thumbnail that has nothing to do with what's actually happening, right. <laughs> that's clickbait. As somebody who I, you know, I write books, the books are published, they're out on the shelves. I hope people will buy them. It marketing yourself is a difficult, tricky thing to do, even under the oh, yeah. best of circumstances. I at least don't have to deal with, not directly anyway, an algorithm like YouTube. I of course have to deal with the ins and outs of trying to figure out how to get attention on my work. Mm -hmm. 
using mediums like YouTube, but I don't have the flag planted in the medium the way you do. So it sounds like it's rife with pitfalls while still, would you say it's a little bit like the wild west? Like you're just out there just like you got a gun on your hip and you're just trying to figure out what works and how to keep people off your homestead. Yeah, yeehaw cowboy, it is the Wild West. And I'm also, I'm not perfect at this. I am, every video I put out, I'm learning what to do and what not to do. And so I'm always adjusting my strategy. And you'll notice that over time that I'm always changing my strategy of my titles and thumbnails and mm-hmm. how I'm approaching different videos. So I'm trying to find what works best to find that right balance because I don't like, I don't like clickbait either. I don't like it. <laughs> it's, it's against my nature. So it's mm-hmm. like, I'm always struggling with where's that line drawn how far to push it how far not to push it and sadly youtube is pushing every youtuber to get more and more provocative and so it's kind of like struggling with that every single time i put out a video yeah it seems very much like it's a you're on shifting sand even as you're oh, yeah. trying to climb the the dune so yep back to the current video which focuses on solar powered cars and questions around whether or not solar panels, whether slapped on or inherently designed from the bottom up, will ever be a thing that will be a part of our driving experience. I want you to put on your future cap and just yeah. answer this question. Shoot from the hip. Do you think solar powered cars and solar influenced cars by which i mean cars that include solar power maybe not for driving but for other aspects of the car will become a mainstream part of cars that people don't even think about (laughs) at some point yes with a gigantic asterisk which is basically like i don't think solar panels on cars in my lifetime will ever be a thing where you never have to plug in right you're always going to have to plug in but i think solar panels on cars will just become it's just on cars. Like you'll, any EV you buy might have a solar panel on it at some point. Right. But it doesn't mean that you won't have to plug in. Right. I think it's interesting to remember that when cars first became available on the market, what you got was literally just a car. No mirrors, mm-hmm. no headlights, no seat belts. the very earliest cars were just this is a vehicle that will move you it's a moving wagon it doesn't have a horse it feels a little bit like we're in that zone with the electric vehicles where they're trying to figure out okay what comes inherent with the car and what is extraneous to it being a car and some of the options that you talked about in your video felt very much like that one of the things that stood out, and I noticed this in the comments, that people, was it the Scion, which looks like a Munster's vehicle? Basically <laughs> like a giant black box. It's just a black, a black it's, car. Yeah, yeah, it's just a black box. Non-descript. It looks like the doors would open up and, and somebody from Dark Shadows would emerge. <laughs> One of the things that people kept saying about that vehicle, it looks like it's the only one of the bunch you talk about that is keeping lived experience in mind. Mm-hmm. You could get the kids in the back seat. You could put the groceries in the trunk. You could take it for like a trip that might be a day long trip to the grandparents or, mm-hmm. you know, run errands as opposed to the very interestingly designed. And I mean, 
I don't dislike the vehicle all, but the last vehicle is the Aptera. The Aptera. The Aptera. Which appears to be driving right out of the movie AI. I mean, it looks like <laughs> yes. somebody at Hollywood just opened up a door and that vehicle drove out onto the street. It looks really eye-catching and captivating. But correct me if I'm wrong, it looks like it's a two-seater. Three-wheeled. Three-wheeled, zero trunk. And, in, and again, in the comments, people were pointing out like, what an amazing design, but it's effectively the same as owning a motorcycle. You're not going to be able to take the family out for a spin. You're not going to be going yep. to run errands. You're not going to be going to the grocery store in that vehicle. Not yet, at least. I brought it up in the video, the universities that do all these solar powered car races and stuff like that. Um, I've had people reach out to me. One of my patrons actually works at a university and is in charge of one of those programs. <laughs> so it's like, I actually know people that are doing this now. When you look at those cars, they tend to be like the most aerodynamic, like sliver you've ever seen in your life. And the it's like almost got no sides to it. And it's just like a roof of panels that are like curved. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not a practical design that we'll ever see the real world. But it, it's they're designing it this way to make it as aerodynamic, lightweight and efficient as possible so they can just power it by the sun. Mm -hmm. The Aptera is like somewhere between a car and one of those it's like right. it's kind of like some kind of like if those two had a baby here's the aptera model of car where then you've got the light year one the light year which is looks more like a sedan but it's a sedan for the rich you're talking 150 thousand dollars for a car yeah so it's <laughs> it's one of those this comes back to and then the cheap side you've got the scion so it's like like you bring up that's the most kind of like practical looking car and the most useful looking car and all three of these have, I love, I'm fascinated by the different approaches of one at the high end of the market, one at the low end of the market, and one that's just like dreaming big and going, if we rethought a car completely, what would it be? Yeah. But the only one in there that is probably going to be for the masses in any way, shape or form is probably the Scion because the form and function of it is what we expect out of a car. Yeah. For the model that was the 150,000 euro slash 170,000 us dollar car how does that stack really cool up? car very cool, really car. cool car how does yeah. that how does that stack up with the earliest teslas weren't those cars initially much higher yep. price point and oh yeah oh yeah how many years ago now is that well the if you're talking about the model s the tesla model s it's still up there it's still that 100k price range if you're going to deck it out with all the stuff and when was it first um, introduced it was over a decade ago okay so 10 years yeah. ago a car being introduced at that price point have we just seen inflation raise the price tag so that this might be in 2022 dollars compared to 2012 dollars comparable with the earliest it, tesla impossibly i mean the, i always bring this up but like the analogy you could look at the smartphone industry it's like when you look at the first iphone which was the first rectangular slabbed touchscreen device we really had mm -hmm. It really didn't do that much and it was crazy expensive and the phones we have today are still crazy expensive, but look at all the stuff they can do. It's because the technologies that are being layered into it had to be figured out. Prices had to come down. Processors had to get better. And it's yeah. like, that's kind of where we are with the EVs right now. So it's like just trying to get a battery electric car affordable is a huge struggle. And we're at that tipping point right now where it's almost on price parity and then it's going to become cheaper than a gasoline car but when you tack in solar on top of that 
it puts it right back into like, right. okay, it's more expensive again because you're layering in this expensive technology on top of a car that's already expensive. So eventually the price will come down on that as you increase manufacturing and the solar panel technologies get better and more reliable. It's like once it becomes commoditized, it's going to then once again flip back down again. So we're in the super early days of all of this, which is why it's when you asked me in the beginning, on your future cap where do you think this is going to happen my answer is yes i do think it's going to happen but just because of the efficiencies of solar panels i don't think there's ever going to be a day in my lifetime like for the next 30 years that i will not not have to plug in my car right a little double negative for you but it's a, little, <laughs> a little double negative also a little dark yeah. news and that you see yourself only living 30 years but <laughs> yes I wondered too about comments like this from Adam Little, who wrote, the vehicles that I'm most keen to see have solar added are EV school buses connected to bi-directional charging when they're sitting yes. at the bus depot between the morning and afternoon runs. I'm wondering, do you see, if you were to say, I mean, there are different ways of, of putting your money on a horse. There's, this is the coolest horse I've ever seen. I want to put my money on this cool horse. And then mm -hmm. there's the, this is a horse that I think can pull the most people. So I'm going to put my money on this horse. Mm -hmm. And then there's, I think long-term, this is going to have the most ground-shaking effect on the industry. So I'm going to put my money on this horse. And what I'm saying is horses are magic and we should all be terrified of horses. Okay. <laughs> but other than that comment, I'm wondering from the perspective of this horse seems to be the one that's going to have the, the widest impact is betting on a company like the scion, which is looking at not just consumer vehicles, but buses, trucks, they've got an entire array of like a, a wide lens of where solar might have an impact. Is that the place to put your money? And oh if boy. so, I, and I, oh I say that as I say that again, <laughs> to go back to the horse race analogy, not stock investment analogy. I'm yes. not, in, I'm not trying to imply at all that this is stock advice. God help you. If you listen to me, we are not that. investment advisors yeah. here. Yes. We're so <laughs> I'm talking about like, if you were a betting man and you were to say like, oh, I'm going to put my penny down on this horse because they just seem to be doing a wide array of things. Does it make sense to say? Solar would have a greater impact on buses and trucking in the mm -hmm. next 10 to 15 years as opposed to consumer vehicles simply because of the size of the vehicle, the square footage for solar panels, and mm -hmm. maybe what you're trying to do with that energy. Like a bus sitting in a depot for six hours during the middle of the day potentially has a much greater ability to absorb power than a car which you might have parked in your garage this is not investment advice yes <laughs> but where i would be focusing for this kind of technology would absolutely be the commercial industry and in commercial industry i include school buses things like that right so commercial technologies 100 percent. and the reason for that is there's greater surface area and the second thing is, is there's more opportunities for reducing costs and making the roi the return on investment make more sense right because businesses have deeper pockets uh they can absorb some of these costs better than a consumer can it will it impacts the, con the consumer industry is very different from commercial and you have the best example is you have buses 
there are already school districts that are just getting battery electric buses because they're used in the mornings and they're used in the afternoons and the rest of the time they sit there. So they're already finding that if you get battery electric buses, you bus the kids around and then during the day and overnight, those buses are plugged into the grid acting as a gigantic battery system for the local school district where they can recoup some of these costs by adding battery storage to the local grid. So it's like a, it's a win-win. Not only is your gas prices reduced, your operational maintenance costs are reduced because they don't require as much maintenance. Mm -hmm. And then you're getting this additional hit from the battery storage. It's like a win-win-win. And then if you add solar onto those buses, you might make that even better for the ROI. So it's like, that's why for me, it's like, if you focus on the commercial industry, I think that's where the biggest impact can come immediately and the consumer stuff will come later. Like that's when we'll start to see it really make an impact later. So maybe the approach is better envisioned as don't think of it as slapping a solar panel onto your car. Think about it as slapping a car onto a solar battery. Like if you make, if you make the focus, the bottom up focus being about efficiency in power use and potential use outside of driving around, it becomes like you've described those, those opportunities. I'm also wondering about a more targeted use of power. Some of the comments which caught my eye were like these from super burger time. One really good solar panel use on a car I saw was the automatic AC system. So in a hot day, the car would turn on the AC and keep the inside of the car relatively cool or in winter, the AC could heat the inside of the car. So as opposed to, okay, we're going to put solar panels on this, like you mentioned the Hyundai, which has the groundbreaking ability to, it's, it's, it's almost (laughs) taking mileage away from the car. It's really, it's so (laughs) low that it almost seems like you're joking, right? Because it really does read as like, oh, solar on this car will be great for the marketing ad. So yeah, two miles per day. Uh, in good conditions. In good conditions. <laughs> you know, that's I walk more than that regularly. But what if that was not about driving the car? What if that was targeting these other things? It's solar power charging up a battery, which is what your headlights will run on for until the battery is depleted and then it starts pulling from a second battery or your air conditioning system is going to be running off of this thing. It's, you know, you're, you're avoiding if instead of it just being marketing speak for marketing speak stake, it was actually intended to be targeted to a specific thing, which you could then say, oh yeah, when I'm sitting in this car, all of my interior lights and my headlights are running completely off of solar power, which my car has charged during the day. Right. Do you see any of that happening? No. And the main reason for that is you'd be, if having separate battery systems makes no sense because it'd be adding complexity and cost to the system. You really just want to have one big battery system. You could rationalize it that way. Mm -hmm. Like I'm putting enough solar onto my car that it's actually recouping the HVAC costs and the, the headlight costs. That's what it's recouping. You don't need a separate battery system for that. Right. The only way that this would make sense in that argument would be saying if you did this to gasoline cars. So you have an ICE car with solar panels on it and it's charging up a small battery that's running your HVAC, your headlights and everything else. But to make the car move, it's still gasoline. And at that point, it's like 
you're you're in a losing argument <laughs> as soon as you go down that path because ice cars are not the best path forward here. It's like right. it's pretty clear EVs are going to be the champion in the next decade. So it's kind of a losing proposition. So it's like I I, I don't think that's going to be the winning argument f- for this. So given that, then is putting on a solar panel as inefficient as the Hyundai one? Is that really just a waste of time and money? It's not a waste of time. It's a waste of money. But at the same time, there was one commenter that hit me, which was, if you want to spend your money that way, go for it. And I don't disagree that if this is an add-on to Hyundai, like, so you can buy this car with, without by default, but you want to spend an extra three grand to add it on or five grand to add it on, go for it. If that makes you feel good and you want to do it and that's what you want, go for it. Right. It's your money to, to use or waste or whatever you want to do to it. That's fine. I have no issue with that. But it's just a waste of money because you're talking about thousands of dollars to add two miles to your, <laughs> your battery a day versus the Scion or the Lightyear, which are putting in 30, 40 or more yeah. to your car a day. It's like, it's, that's where it makes a difference. You may have been referring to this comment from the 8-bit guy. And yes. just as a reminder, the, the comments- I love the 8-bit guy. Yeah. Watch his channel. He's got a great YouTube channel, by the way. Yeah. Shout out to 8-bit. And just a reminder that the comments on Matt's videos are really the driving force behind our conversations. As you can tell, I pull mm-hmm. from the comments. We have discussions around the comments. Please do jump into the comments on his videos and jump into the comments here. You can find the contact information in the podcast description. Or if you're on YouTube, you can, of course, just scroll below the video and leave a comment there. But this video from 8-Bit was the one that caught my eye and I think is the one that Matt was referring to. I have two comments about this. First of all, the numbers don't always need to make sense. If people want a cheap car, they'd buy a Chevy Spark. He's not wrong. Bingo. Nope. People are willing to pay for all sorts of upgrades on a car that don't pay for themselves. So I think a lot of people would pay extra for solar panels on their vehicle, even if the extra production cost was never recouped. Second thing is, it's probably not a great explanation to say how long it takes for a full recharge. In practice, that doesn't matter. What does it matter how many miles you drive per day are added to the car? I think approximately 10 miles is where it starts to really make sense. And he may not be wrong. And you and I laughed about Hyundai's two miles added. Well, if you drive your car two times a week, maybe that two miles a day is all you need. So who are we to laugh? Yeah, no, that's why I brought up his comment. It's, I don't disagree with that sentiment at all. I actually agree with it a lot. It's like, you know, I put solar panels on my roof does not mean I think every one of my neighbors has to do it. It's, it's your choice whether you do it or not. People may think I wasted my money putting solar panels on my roof. Well, it's what I wanted to do. So I did it. So it's like, if you want to put solar panels in your car, go for it. It's like, it's your, your equation for what makes it make sense is for you and nobody else. So you shouldn't care what other people think. Right. So listeners, let us know. Would you jump on one of these vehicles, even if it was just a low amount of mileage added to your daily trips, like the Hyundai at two miles? Or would you jump to the avant-garde designs of the more forward-thinking vehicles that look a little bit like they're driving in from the 22nd century? Are you looking (laughs) for utility as opposed to quick mobility? Let us know. Don't forget, if you'd like to support the show, please consider reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is you found our podcast. And if you'd like to more directly support us, you can go to stilltbd.fm and click on the Become a Supporter button. It allows you to throw coins at our head, and we do appreciate each and every bruise that looks like a quarter. (laughs) 
And don't forget, you can also <laughs> click join on YouTube and become a member there. All of that really does help the show. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and we'll see you in the next one.